Life Audio. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. When you don't know what to do, go find a commandment of God and say, I can work on living this out. Today is a day that I can live this out. This, my friends, is why we return to Scripture again and again. This is why we never outgrow our need to be discovering God through His Word, because as you are changing, you're able to see and experience new pieces and levels of what Scripture is offering you. But at the end of the day, no matter what, no matter where your journey takes you, no matter if you, like the preacher, have exhausted all of your journeying to try to find meaning, at the end of the day, the conclusion of the matter is fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. How do we know what wisdom is really? What does it look like to live rightly in the world? How do we take the most of every opportunity that we've been given? Welcome, my friends, to the book of Ecclesiastes. Today, we're going to be looking at those questions and more as we discuss the topic of wisdom and foolishness. I'm your host, Nicole Eunice, and I am so glad to be here with you today. We've been in the book of Ecclesiastes. We've been reviewing this complex, evocative, poetic book of scripture, this whole understanding of a preacher who is addressing an assembly and kind of giving the main themes of life, if we were going to say it that way. And it's been an up and down and back and forth kind of journey. And I have a confession to make to you guys over these last few weeks as we've looked at this scripture together. I've realized that I've gotten very comfortable understanding what I'm reading that comes after, you know, many years of study, it's very easy to enter into some very familiar places in scripture and be like, hey, I know what the principle, like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I know what the principles are here. I know what they connect to. But Ecclesiastes has been a completely different kind of experience. And I'm really glad for it because it reminds me, number one, that we do have to be comfortable being uncomfortable when we're in scripture. Um, it reminds me again that this is an ancient book that was written to a specific audience at a specific time in history. And we have to understand some of that specific time as much as we can in that specific history so that we can rightly interpret what we're reading. And as we come to sort of the end of this book, we're going to hit a few different themes kind of all over the place. And that can be challenging for us if we are in the sort of habit of reading for 15 minutes and taking some great gem with us into our life. That is here, but it's going to take a little more work. So we're going to be in Ecclesiastes 10 through the end of the book, which is through chapter 12. And we're going to hit on a few different aspects within. So let's start in Ecclesiastes 10 verses 16 through 20. And I think you're going to get a little taste of what I mean. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. 
Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Woe to the land whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through laziness, the rafters sag because of idle hands, the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter, wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. Do not revile the king even in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom because a bird in the sky may carry your words and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Okay, (laughs) hold the phone. We're going to start with what does it say? And if you just enter into what this says, you immediately notice, whoa, we're going to need some context here, right? Because if you just read these words they're either going to fly by you and you're going to be like, I don't know where to put this, or you're going to read them for what they say and be like, wait a second, this can't be right. So here's a couple of things that might fly by us. This whole concept of king and princes. Are you born of noble birth? Are you born of humble birth? How do you spend your time eating? And then the passage goes on and actually says that money is the answer for everything. Hmm, That sounds out of accord with what we've heard elsewhere in scripture. So that's confusing, right? And then it talks about not even thinking poorly of the king because a bird, a bird may hear you. And I'm like, are we in Harry Potter? Like it just, it's all over the place, right? And I just want to name that because I feel like a lot of times people who study the Bible or maybe people who have been given a platform to share scripture and to lead and to guide maybe aren't like fully honest with the fact that just like you guys, I read this and I was like, uh, what are we supposed to do with this? And it doesn't really get that much easier in this passage. It kind of goes on and it's sort of all over the place. So this is where obviously context is really helpful. This is also where reading other commentators in your study notes is why I'm always pointing you guys toward having a study Bible because you're going to have some study notes underneath. No surprise, there's very few study notes in this passage. So we're kind of left with, okay, I'm reading this passage I know that God says that all of his word is useful, all of it is instructive, but I'm not sure what to do with this kings of noble birth, money's the answer for everything, and don't say anything bad about the king because a bird might hear you. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? So here's what can be really helpful in a passage. And this is some basic hermeneutics. That's a big word that just means Bible interpretation. It's knowing how to rightly interpret scripture, especially when it's hard to interpret. So I want to give you four basic principles today that apply anytime you're trying to interpret scripture that's hard to interpret. If you come to a passage and you're like, I don't know what to do with this, and 
This passage is talking about slaves. This passage seems to be talking about violence. I don't, whatever that thing is that you bump up against in scripture. So a couple of things. The first thing that I like to do interpreting scripture when it's hard to interpret is to return to main themes. So the way I'm going to remember, okay, what are the main themes of this book? What's actually going on in this book? And if I, if I don't remember what's going on in this book, I'm going to flip back to my book introduction that's in your study Bible that kind of gives you a flyover of the book. And I'm going to look and see, okay, what, what generally is being laid out here and what's the tone that's being set as far as we can understand it. Of course, there's a huge gap between 2023 and when this was written and we're doing our very best and scholars do their very best to give us a good understanding of the culture at the time that this was written. But there's going to be some things that we may have to leave as mystery that we don't fully understand because we're not right there in that moment hearing the preacher address the assembly, knowing sort of the rhetoric of the day and how things were sort of communicated. And all you have to do is think about our own culture and realize that we have tons of ways that people communicate, right? And if you were just an alien from another planet landing in 2023 and trying to understand communication, it would be as confusing as perhaps this passage sounds to us today, because you might not have the cultural narrative to understand, oh, this thing you're watching on TV, no, that's called satire. They're not actually telling the truth. They're they're using that dry, deadpan, you know, humor to actually illuminate a truth, right? Like that's an example. Satire is a more subtle form of communication. So when we enter in, we got to enter in with that too. So our scholars are going to turn us to helping us understand as best as we can what are generally the themes that are going on? And we know that a general theme in this whole book is around wisdom and foolishness. We know a general theme is what do we do with the mystery of life, the fact that we can't fully understand why things happen the way they do. What do we do to enjoy life? Those are some of the big themes. So we're going to want to return to the main themes when we go into a passage that's difficult to understand. The second thing we want to do is just look for repeating ideas. What ideas repeat in a passage or a chapter just to kind of get your mind off of like something that might be tripping you up and making sure that you're seeing the big picture. The third is that we want to consider context and tone. So if I don't understand a passage, I may want to imagine the passage being read in a different tone. So for instance, let's go to verse 19. You heard me uh, read verse 19 to you. I've repeated it a couple of times because it's so blatantly different than other things we read in scripture. So chapter 10, verse 19 says, a feast is made for laughter, wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. Okay. What if the tone with which this was said was ironic? What if the tone of this is said with a little bit of a wink, like, hey, this is how the world interprets life, right? Like, then you're like, oh, that makes sense. If the teacher is basically stating a cultural truth, like, hey, this is how people act in our world, and he's framing that cultural truth between these concepts of a king of authority, then okay, maybe that maybe we're starting to get somewhere. So that's an example of considering context and tone. And then finally, always, always, always zoom out. Like if you can't figure out what a passage is saying, zoom way out to where and what you know to be true, right? Like you want to zoom way out and be like, okay, what do I, what do I know is true? 
where else might I read to kind of interpret and understand these big themes? Okay. So if we were going to do that, we might do a deeper dive into God's concepts for wisdom. We would probably go to the book of Proverbs and understand wisdom in that way. And as we do that, this passage itself might be illuminated a little bit. So I'm going to try to illuminate the passage slightly for us. Okay. And I want you to know I'm holding this out with an open hand. There isn't, this isn't like exactly right, but I'm going to give you, it's hard to know what's exactly right in this passage, but I'm going to share with you how I would interpret the thing that we're reading based on using those principles of hermeneutics. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. Dot com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So a repeating idea in this passage is we talk about kings at the beginning and then kings again at the end. Okay, so in our context, a king is authority. So we're thinking about the authority structures of the world. And then in the middle of it, we've got that verse 1019 and this concept of being lazy and idle or being, you know, sort of industrious and dutiful in the way that you live your life, right? So we kind of get that concept out of the beginning of that. We know that this idea of having a king who is maybe, this is what the context of the scripture says, perhaps what the preacher is talking about, who's probably Solomon, is drawing the the listener back to their country's history. So if you know the story of Israel, you know that there were a lot of bad kings, there were a lot of short-lived kings, there was a lot of overthrowing of kings, and then there were a few good kings Also, so and also in all the other kingdoms around them, they're going to have the same thing going on. There's going to be a lot of coups, a lot of like taking by force and overthrowing people. Um, It's very, very much like a life of being ruled by conquest. Whoever has the most power, the only way to keep your power is to keep growing in power. Right. So we know that's kind of the concept that we're in. So we're looking at this authority idea. And then let's go with this idea that the preacher is saying, hey, This idea of like eat, drink and be merry because money's the answer to everything. That is the way of the world. 
like I'm naming that as the way of the world, right? But yet, but yet, and this is where we get to the end of the passage, it says, but hey, don't revile the king even in your thoughts. Don't curse the rich in your bedroom. So here we have the the teacher saying, this is the way we know the world works. This is what the world celebrates and you're going to have to live in it. But as you live in it, as a faithful follower of God, you need to live upright basically. And and I'm taking all of this because I feel like this is a theme that's repeated again in scripture. So we want to look for repeating ideas. And this concept is repeated again in scripture. Most notably, it's repeated in Romans 13. And in Romans 13, Paul is exhorting the early church, let everyone be subject to governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The passage goes on and says, do what is right and you will be commended. So continue to honor authority. So in the midst of this kind of weird passage, I think we can pull this concept that says, hey, you're going to see kings and kingdoms, rulers and politicians, people with power, you're going to see them come and go. And it's going to be tempting to condemn them, to critique them. But what we're asked to do is to judge wisely and live honorably. And that is not a specific way, right? Like you might ask, well, how am I supposed to do that in the dark world that we live in? How do we do that in democracy? What am I to do with my power as a citizen? Those are good questions to ask. And those are tensions that we all have to wrestle through. But I think the concept here that we see playing out is what does it look like to be a person who makes sure that you celebrate what you're for and that you can judge wisely, but be careful with the way you live out your critiques. Because I think there's this sense that when you look at the suffering or the problems or leadership in the world, yes, we want to judge wisely, but we also want to ask the question, how then should I live? What does wise look like here? And how can I be known for what I am for in this world? And as believers, we know that the kingdom of heaven is a place of righteousness, of peace, and of joy. So I can apply that to the way that I go and live my life. Okay, that was a challenge, <laughs> but we got there, right? We got there. We got through a passage that was difficult and we we hung in there until we pulled that principle and were able to see that, yes, this is a principle that applies across scripture. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We can take hold of that and claim that for our day. Okay, finally, as we wrap up the book of Ecclesiastes, I want to take us to the very end passage, which is in Ecclesiastes 12, and it's the last 12, uh, verse 13, sort of the conclusion. It says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. So in the midst of what has been sometimes confusing or sometimes opaque, we finally get the preacher saying, here's what you actually need to hear. I've covered a lot of themes, right? This preacher has preached a sermon with many, many points. A lot of different themes have been covered around wisdom, around foolishness, about the way that you are to live, about what really brings us meaning in life, what seems to be meaningless, right? We've got all of those themes going on. And then we get to verse 13. Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Well, okay. Fear God. Live with an awesome, reverent sense of who God is. Worship him in his holiness. Worship him in the mystery. Worship him in the questions that cannot be answered. Fear God and live rightly. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. When you don't know what to do, 
go find a commandment of God and say, I can work on living this out. Today is a day that I can live this out. This, my friends, is why we return to scripture again and again. This is why we never outgrow our need to be discovering God through his word, because as you are changing, you're able to see and experience new pieces and levels of what scripture is offering you. But at the end of the day, no matter what, no matter where your journey takes you, no matter if you, like the preacher, have exhausted all of your journeying to try to find meaning, at the end of the day, the conclusion of the matter is fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. The Westminster Catechism, which is a way of teaching young people about the basics of the faith. Um, Some people still are familiar with catechism, many others aren't. But the Westminster Catechism says, what is the chief end of man? This is the first question within the catechism. What is the chief end of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So even when we come to the end of the matter in Ecclesiastes, or we come to the end of the matter when it pertains to our faith, to what our life really means, we have this beautiful statement that we can live by. We have been made to glorify God. We have been made to enjoy Him forever. And how do we do that? We fear God and we love and keep His commandments. All right, everyone. Talk with you next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.